The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Let's reconnect with our heroes for another episode of Adventure and Fun. The companions have reached Trillium's home forest after an accelerated hike from Harak and are ready to formulate their plans for stopping Grooknog. Enjoy the podcast. Hi and welcome to The Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, Facebook, Google+, Bing, all over the place. Of course, if you like us on iTunes, give us a good rating there. It does help others find us on iTunes. We are continuing with our Dungeon World campaign that we are titling A New Frontier. We are using this in the world of Parandisi, a big Thank you to Mike Robertson, who gave us the map of Paradisi that we're currently working from. We're going to, to go around the table and say hi. We'll start with the person right here to my left, who is... Hello, this is Chris. I'm playing Uriel the Immolator. Hi, this is Kelly. I'm playing Trillium the Druid. And this is Kurt. I am playing Breton the Ranger. And this is Bridget. I am playing Lenore the Cleric. And I'm Joe. I am the Game Master as we continue A New Frontier in our Dungeon World campaign. Uh, who wants to give us a quick recap of our last session? Not it. Not it. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> so we started out in the Stinky Salamander in yep. Harak. It's a great big place. It's a nice place. It's, nice. it's pretty nice. And, uh, it takes two hands to describe <laughs> what Harak is Huge like. tracts of land. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Breton had g- just recently gotten out of jail after being detained for uh, impersonating a nobleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got him up to speed on what happened to uh, Gerald and the secret menagerie of mythical creatures, skeletons, and everything that was going on in town uh, for the two days he was out. And then we found, he had, had told us there were reports of uh, a tribe of hobgoblins uh, was it Grooknack's tribe or clan? Yeah. Was uh, man, he's making a name for himself out in Falsheng's forest, out past Valshand, yeah. causing a ruckus, burning the place down. Got it. Not so good. So our our trusted ally and friend Trilliums, no bueno on that. Let's go go do something <laughs> about it. And plus me, I mean, like nobody uses fire. <laughs> you know, in my buddy's forest, screw that noise. I'm yeah. the fire guy. It's like it's <laughs> literally hundreds of acres of a forest that is currently. Um, the current name of it is Valshank's Forest, is where Trillium makes her home. And that forest is being laid claim to by King Grupnok, yes. So we made our way to uh, Trillium's home place in the Valshank's Forest, and we're deciding the best plan of action to go after these hobgoblins. And here we are. So we have our, our cleric, our ranger, our druid, and our immolator. We have our in, cultists, our druid, our Yeah, emulator. that's a good point. Uh, uh, cleric. You're not <laughs> fully clean unless you're cult fully clean. clean. Yeah, that's um, getting old. Okay. I mean, they were my favorite band back in the you know the, the cult, the Firewoman. You the know, Blue Oyster yeah. Cult? No, no, the, the, the cult, cult. The with Firewoman, yeah. It was See, pretty, now, pretty I good prefer Blue Oyster Cult. Well, no, they're good, I too. I Fear the Reaper. Right. <laughs> Kelly, if you would, please, from Trillium's perspective... Describe the den at which we find all of our characters. All right. So we are in my uh, my personal living area. Um, it's like a cave behind a waterfall. And, which is very um, piscura- picturesque in my mind, by yeah. the way. I, I really like the idea. There's this constant white noise of the yeah. waterfall in the background, and maybe a little crackle of fire with a pop of a cinder every now and then, right? Oh, yeah. Sounds nice. Go for Sounds it. Sounds nice. Um, so I'm offering my guests uh, a brew of special um, herbs and spices, something to maybe soothe our weary minds as you, you have made a forced quick march back to your home mm-hmm. um, a two day march and maybe a day and a half a very successful march but I'm sure it was tiring nonetheless yes um, and as you look around I have like little jars of 
soil Shrunken and heads just things that you would you <laughs> yeah. know okay just things in nature that you would maybe find but i have like in glass bottles so or you like know you've got a mason jar of an oak tree in case you need to plant one yeah things like so that, that or like a thing, yeah. jar full of worms to okay. you know got like Fireflies. seeds and stuff yeah seeds, yeah, yeah. Okay. just things that i've collected throughout the forest okay do you have Every a rock once in a collection? While. I definitely have a rock really? collection. Really? Uh, collection, I, I yes. Just, I there, just like is rocks. Is there a small fire keeping everyone warm? Oh, definitely. The cave? Okay. Definitely. I just have a vision that at any given moment, Papa Smurf is going to come through, and then we're going to hear, la, 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 It's so peaceful here. I, I definitely understand why you prefer this to the city. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Now, this, even though you're in this peaceful atmosphere everybody has that several levels of hairs on the back of your neck that are sticking up knowing that around this area within perhaps even yards king grugnock's forces are ready to set fire to this place at any moment because they have laid claim to falshank's forest and they will not be denied except of course perhaps by you so I've lived in this forest for a long time, and I have certain, um, like, safeguards um, planted throughout just in case something like this would happen. Um, I have these, uh, I guess, exploding sunflowers <laughs> that like the idea. if there is it. fire... If there's fire, they explode. So that, like, if if someone is, you know, setting that that earth on fire, then it it backfires on them. Mm. I guess nice. would be like the way to describe it. Um, so, like, if we, you know, maybe in the as we're like traveling and things like that, if we hear any sort of explosion, we know like where it might be coming from. That it's so you know my like exploding sunflowers. Of ADT security around. Yeah. Your home? Yeah. Okay. So somewhere uh, in strategic points around your waterfall home, yes, there are things to alert you if somebody is about to yes. invade your home. Okay, yeah, I like it. I like the exploding sunflowers. That's pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> CPS security, identify yourself. <laughs> Sunflower security. <laughs> you don't uh, know me. Bye. So. Um, Uriel, stay away from the sunflowers. Yeah. It's a good point. They're probably combustible in some way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're all kind of sitting around drinking this soothing tea. Mm, I don't really um, care for this. <clears throat> and soothing, does it have any, in, uh, any type of intoxicating effect? Or is it just soothing? It's just soothing from our weary travels. Camomile kind of thing. And uh, we all know that we're safe in my my den for now, um, but we need to definitely get out there and kick some ass. I'm going to come over and sit next to you specifically. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Because you're... You are... You have an energy where you're disturbed and you're feeling mental suffering... Okay. Because of what's happening in the forest, and okay. I'm gonna try and soothe you a little bit from that, and I'm it'll make me feel better. How would you soothe me? I'll just rub rub your shoulder, oh. say you know we'll we'll fix this. We'll we'll get this <laughs> taken care of. You can of. rub my shoulders. Going <laughs> to clean off the underside of the table here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not getting funky. Between um, I'm feeding, I I'm feeding off <laughs> I'm feeding off of her suffering. It, it's it it so attracts my attention okay. that so you are Breton, not at peace here. You're in right the now. forest now. Breton is normally a I guess I would call it a city druid who protects the city from the forest. Right. City ranger, remember, right? Yeah. City ranger. Um, you are you are literally enveloped in the forest, which is not city, deep within the home of a druid, 
what is it that Breton would be looking for to make sure that he can help contribute to this right. cause? Well, well, normally I might be looking for something, but at the moment I'm just watching the two ladies comforting each other. Here <laughs> I'm, the, I'm actually trying to get past well, there. That. <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm very comfortable in nature, although I love the social the social aspect of the city. That's why I um, – but, you know, I, I'm starting to feel – or I do feel more comfortable with this group. So there is a nice social nature. But like you said, there's a sense of kind of impending doom or threat. So, so truly, I'm actually more anxious to kind of get out and see what we can do to so protect truly the land. So managed, uh, managed to relate to her, the group, her explosive sunflower defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, what would – perhaps uh, Breton and Cloud be looking to do to help this Yeah, situation. I mean, if I were going out, I'd be you know, wanting to get out and scout the area around where the hobgoblins yeah. are to okay, so, figure out. So let's take it as you will do that. Um, Uriel, if Breton's going to step out to do that and you're watching two women console each other, <laughs> this is not a video podcast, but Chris's face. Anyway, um, what <laughs> might what might I'm Uriel touching her shoulder. <laughs> We're fully clothed. That's enough. <laughs> I'm getting agitated <laughs> because we're just sitting around doing nothing, and I yeah. think we need to get out there and stamp this guy burn out. Something. Yeah. So might you follow um, Breton <clears throat> as he steps out to secure the perimeter, as as I would call it. Yeah, well, I, I kind of want to get everybody together. I think we're sitting, you know, what are we doing here? Wasting time. Well, the thing is, I, yes, Uriel might think of it as wasting time. From Chris's perspective, think of it as you just got there. You right. just got to finally where you're a point after a forced one day plus of March for a two and a half day trip. You, you did a forced quick march where you made it there. You were able to find all the supplies you needed. Maybe you grabbed a couple of wild mushrooms along the way. Maybe a, a, a few berries from the, the bushes near uh, Trillium's home. And you, you, you've had enough sustenance. And now you're finally in a place where there's comfort and warmth. And maybe after a half an hour, it, you start to get restless. And at this point, um, Breton decides, maybe I should go secure the perimeter. Make sure everything's okay. And um, uh, Lenore is making sure Trillium is comforted in her home. Make sure that even though King Grugnok is outside and ready to just invade, think of the, the it's a darkness kind of enveloping the area where Trillium's home currently is. But Breton's out ready to go outside and make sure all of the, you know, the, the security cameras have charged batteries and that there's a proper connection between everything that, that kind of thing make sure that the perimeter is okay what would Uriel be doing at that point I'd still be wanting to push everybody to let's go or else I'm just going to go myself and take care of it so because he I'm really wanting to be he's the hothead so considering um, even though they did the forest march he's like let's just get this done considering Breton is about to step outside to make sure that you know the 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 perimeter that where the trees have the right cameras in them, right. so to speak. Would you be ready to step outside with him? Yeah, but I'm kind of. I don't want them to like dither, hanging out and comforting each other. That's yeah, not, you do. That's not dithering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are, are you ready to go? Do you? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm then good let, to go. Let's, let's let's follow the guys out. Because yeah. my thought is, like, I'm not looking to stay here and hang out for no. a night. No, I mean, we just wanted to so it, it's And I know, I know there's been the yeah. first march, so that might be the, the, the idea of the way. group. I'm going to stick with the idea of it's a long-term march where it was forced. However, based on what Bridget said with Lenore comforting Trillium, make sure her home is okay, and Breton saying, or Kurt saying Breton is going to make sure outside is okay, I'm going to temporarily split the party. Mm-hmm. In that um, Breton and Uriel uh, will walk outside for a couple of minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Do you need help with anything? I do not. I think Uriel needs to go outside and take a breath. He's quite Maybe anxious. In, fact, in the water I don't like for a the minute. tea because it's calming me down. <laughs> 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 I, toss it. I toss it in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> 
He wants capsaicin tea instead of chamomile <laughs> tea. Right. tea right? um, so we're, go- we're going to split temporarily, at least, in that saying that both Breton and Uriel step outside. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do that. Okay. Um, outside, we're going to say it's late day, getting towards dusk, uh, looking up towards the sky. You can see the sun setting in the west, and... Um, the shadows are a nice amber color throughout the forest. It's a nice, beautiful time of the day where uh, the warmth is just starting to leave the area, but you can still feel it in your bones. There's a nice, warm feeling throughout. Maybe not warm enough for Uriel because fire is still warmer than right. the light of the sun from where you are. Um, the shadows are just starting to obfuscate the area. And, Breton, you can feel there's something in the air tonight. Um, You can feel it in the air tonight. Hold on, as Phil Collins said. Um, (laughs) Breton's going to do the job, Phil. Um, There's something there that says there's there's ominous feeling. That you, you feel as if you're being surrounded, although there's no clear evidence of it. That the this the the feeling of darkness is closing in, and there's something behind the darkness that is pushing closer and closer. Uh, you're outside of of uh, Trillium's home at this point, w- within you know twenty yards or so. You're not very far, but there's this feeling of something is coming, danger is coming, and there's some. You're you're compelled to do something about it. What is that? It, it, it's definitely um, Breton that feels it. Uriel knows something's bad is happening because he knows something bad's happening. Something bad's always happening, right? <laughs> That's true. But Breton feels this. There's a constriction. There, there there's a you know a, a thousand yard long boa constrictor around Falshank's forest that is tightening. And tightening, and tightening, and it, it feels like the way it's been going tonight is going to be at the point at which the forest is suffocated if something doesn't happen. Right? Do we feel that? I was going to say not inside, not inside. Right now, I'm not having any sort of stir. Of right now, Trillium is currently being comforted by Lenore, and everything is okay in that world. Okay. I think I would. I do two things. I would send Cloud out first, farther okay. out to scout the area, and then I would come back and tell them, like, y'all, we don't have, even though it's lovely here, Trillium, and your beautiful home, we don't have time to sit. We need to go find. Now, here's the tricky part. Cloud, even as stubborn as Cloud is, mm-hmm. I can't remember if Cloud a boy or a girl. Gender neutral. I thought we established it, but I can't remember. Let's say Cloud is a girl. That was a girl, I she thought. She is unwilling to go more than about 20 feet away from you. There's a skittishness. Really? Cloud normally has her tail high and proud over the back of her body. And Cloud's tail is almost buried between her hind legs. And she will, know, she will not go more than 20 feet from you. And there's a whimpering sound that you have probably... You've heard Cloud make, but only when you say, like, Bad Cloud, no Cloud, don't do that, Cloud, kind of thing. And you're very stern. It's more of a fear. Your cloud, as your wolf, as stubborn and ruthless as she is, mm. will not proceed more than about 20 feet away from your side. Mm. There's something closing in that is bigger than what cloud has previously experienced, and she cannot bring herself to, to stand up to it and make it, make it her bitch, as it were, right? Because your, your wolf right. is very persistent. Yeah. So do I have any sense for, is this someone actually coming our way, or is this just the general hobgoblin awfulness? It sounds like it's more specific. I'm it's going this to say type. it's more hobgoblin awfulness closing in on you at this time. And Cloud, Cloud where Cloud can usually pick out, you know, there's a scout in the tree over there, or there's an archer over there, or there's this group of bad things coming in from that area in the woods. Cloud is like, Oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. In general, there's a 
a constricting badness happening and there's no way to just say if I bite that it'll go away so Cloud is is overwhelmed with impending doom she doesn't want to leave yeah. your side so it sounds like we may be making our stand here at Trillium's house rather than going to the Hobgoblins could be, uh, could be. fort Yurio you're outside and witnessing what's going on what do you think yeah but I don't I don't pick up on the uneasiness, or is it different for me? It's yeah. probably, I would say overall, I mean, I hate to say this normally in Dungeon World terms, but what's your wisdom? Uh, 16. Oh, yeah. It, it's very clear that between Breton and um, uh, Cloud, there's an uneasiness in the air. It's almost, I can feel it in the air tonight, right. hold on, kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to keep going back to Phil Collins here, but um, there's something there's something in the air, as it were, that you can feel that says, "Wow, the Ranger is off his game," and holy crap, not just that, his wolf is standing on three feet instead of four, and the one that's off the ground is twitching the whole time, and the ears are back, and the tail is down, and there's something out here outside of Trillium's home that says, holy crap, there's a constriction. But her sunflowers aren't going off? Not yet. That's if something's on Not yet. When those sunflowers go off, Trillium will know. Hey, cultists, do you have some kind of, like, detect good or evil that would help us with what's coming? My next question to that would be, before you finish asking that, would you stick your head inside the waterfall cave to ask that question? Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm only 20 feet away, right? You're not far out, right. You're outside of the home. Right. I mean, I would tell her there's something really wrong out here. Yeah. I think we're going to have to act quickly. Do you <laughs> have any sense? There's crappy for... going on in your shed. Right. What's going on in there? Right. Um, well, I, I could... I mean, I know you're having fun with your back rub here, but... No. Like, matters may I'm not getting anything. Rub. Matters may require Shoulder. your attention. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could do a divine guidance and see if my deity... As long as you can excuse me, re- reiterate to us listeners what all that means, okay. go for it. Um, when you petition your deity according to the precept of your religion, you are granted some useful knowledge or boon related to your deity's domain. The GM will tell you what. So, Kurt, remind us, when Breton stuck his head past the waterfall into the cave, what he said that would infer that Lenore should actually do this. I mean, I, I think I was saying it feels like something really bad is about to happen out here, but I'm not sure what. Are you getting any okay. sense for evil in the area? So, Lenore, go to your good uh, divide guidance, mm-hmm. divine guidance. And I, I remember last time that was kind of a cut and yep. a blood thing. Describe what happens. Um, do I have to do any kind of roll? What does divine guidance say? I don't know. I don't think it has a roll. It doesn't say that. But All right. I don't know the game. So, um, hmm. So I'm, I don't feel anything in the cave or yeah. in, in Trillium's home. So I'm going to step outside with you mm-hmm. and kind of feel it. And I don't know what it is either, but I'm going to, I feel oppression. Like, I, I feel. The same thing that you guys were feeling. Feel like dread, oppression, something bad's going to happen. Something that... Okay. So when something. you step out there, tell me, when you seek guidance from Zoraika, mm-hmm. how do you seek it? Um, well, since Zoraika is the goddess of suffering yeah. and, and healing, um, I need to... Get her attention by causing myself suffering okay. or feeding off of some sort of deep suffering. So I cause myself, I use my holy symbol and, and cause myself to have a, a cut. And before, um, I used the the blood, actually formed a, an arrow and pointed us in a direction that we needed to go. But okay. I don't know if, I don't know what it might do this time. So this time, as you um, 
caused the cut. Now, I'm going with what we can see. With, mm-hmm. Of course, the audio people cannot see. On your right arm, you cause another cut with your arm. Mm-hmm. The blood actually comes up, and there is like one drop of blood, but it forms the shape of a humanoid creature. And this creature has a bit of a crown upon its head. And as you see that, the creature, you're, you, Lenore, are sure it is a, an abomination type of creature, a, a goblinoid, hobgoblinoid, if you will, hmm. creature who raises a trident above his head. And you, can, you, Lenore, can hear a shout in your head as you practically black out. And um, Zoraika communicates to you, they are coming, dot, 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 exclamation point. Hmm. So outside, uh, amongst uh, Uriel and Breton, um, as, as Lenore stepped out, did this cut on her arm, and the, you could actually see blood form into a weird shape. You could almost hear, it's like electricity in the air that you could almost fear, uh, hear. Um, Lenore drops to a knee, and at that point, you almost, Im- almost imperceptibly, it's kind of like if you're too far from the fireworks celebration on the 4th of July, you can hear a city set off their fireworks. You hear a drumbeat. Almost like a thump, thump, thump off in the background. Just faint enough that you know something's going on. And as that happens, Lenore drops to a knee. Um, Trillium, her head sticks out from behind the fire, uh, behind behind the uh, waterfall. And it comes together as, oh shit's about to get real. And you're just fired up. I think we should go out to meet them, because they're not necessarily coming for this place, because they probably don't know about it. They're just doing their normal thing. Yeah. And they won't be expecting uh, resistance. We can't stay here They won't anymore. be expecting resistance like us anyway. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, whatever is around here, it's getting stronger and more widespread. So we have to... It's going from bad to worse. Yeah, we need to move. We don't want to draw them here. No. Lenore? Do we need to get that moss that you were talking about? The moss. The moss from the, the side of the stream to fungus help. Oh, the fungus. The fungus. That's for healing. The we fungus. Don't, it's not going to help us out. Yeah. Yes. No. We want to prevent the fire from starting. Oh. Yeah. We want to prevent the fire. Yeah, they were going to burn the forest down. Yeah, but Uriel here... You were gonna. He can burn it down first. You were gonna burn the. Uh, well, we were gonna burn the camp. Uh, kind of burn up the. Uh, yeah, the camp. So or at least like where the. Yeah, but we're not going to wherever. I mean, we're gonna Le- meet them wherever they're at. <laughs> Who knows where? So they're at. Lenore, you have a clear picture in your head now. If you close your eyes, you can view King Grupnak. You know, Zoraika has has provided you. With a view of King Grupnak. He actually has um, a height greater than any hobgoblin that you've ever seen. So this guy, King Grupnak, is probably like 7, 8 feet, 9 feet, 20 feet tall. Who knows? He's way taller than any hobgoblin you've ever seen or, or read about or laid witness to. And there's a scar from the top right of his face down to the bottom left of his face as if he had been struck by a very large blade that cut a swath through his face that clearly marked him as somebody who survived a very bad thing. He suffered horribly. And Zoraika has said to you directly, to, to Lenore, this is the hobgoblin who is commanding the forces that seek to take over Trillium's home. So, without a doubt, Lenore could identify King Grupnok based on Zoraika's So, do I tell them? Do you? Yeah. Um, In my vision, uh, Zoraika blessed me with a a vision of Grupnok, and he's no normal 
Hobgoblin King. He's unnaturally large. But if I saw him, I would know him. And you'll probably know him right away, because he's going to be gigantic. Is he a hobgoblin? He's hobgoblin-ish. There's definitely something off about him. But he has a giant scar across his face, and he's wearing a crown. And he's he's unnaturally large for a hobgoblin. Like, but is he resistant to fire? She didn't tell me that. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Time to turn up the heat. Well, we have also got magic missile. We can, we can see what works. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what it takes to kill Grugnok. In the meantime, he is definitely a force to be reckoned with in Falsheng's forest. Do I know where he is? No. There was no clear indication of where okay. he was. Just follow Just the sound the, of the drums. Yeah, he is the thing. The force of of badness that is causing the current conflicts within uh, Falshank's forest. So I definitely get the feeling we need to find him now. Yeah. Um, I just realized the advanced moves, the thing talker. Yeah. So does that mean that I can take, like, I can shapeshift into, like, the stream, or uh, I could shapeshift into a tree? Tree, yes. Like, and well, could well, I move? Like, is that what that's, like that is? Or is that, am I so like, here's making what that we'll up? So here's what do, Kelly. If you would, read what the thing talker says, and let's talk through it quickly, right. and then we'll decide what that means. So it says, you see the spirits in the sand, the sea, and the stone. You may now apply your spirit tongue, shape-shifting, and studied essence to inanimate natural objects. So plants or rocks. Yeah. Um, or creatures made thereof, as well as animals. Um, it says thing talker forms can be exact copies or can be mobile, vaguely humanoid-shaped entities. So when it comes to spirit tongue, that basic move, or starting move from the druid says... The grunts, barks, chirps, and calls of the creatures of the wild are as language to you. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, I interpret that as you now are able to understand how rocks and trees and water communicate. Right. Well, it's not water. It's not water. They, they specifically mention water in another right. called no, world talker. And yeah. it also says shapeshifter. Right. So, so shapeshifting... It's only... Plants and rocks. But right. I, the reason I say water is thing talker says sand, sea, and stone. So right. I'm including water in that, at least at a basic level. Yeah. Because they right. mention about the pure elements of fire, water, air, and earth under right. world talker, which is a yeah. higher level advanced move. Because so this just says natural objects, plants, and rocks. So I get it. The, the way I treat this, just so you know, Kelly, is... Basic communication. So, colors, shapes, emotions. Good, bad. Right? From those basic elements. You can communicate those. And then later, to Chris's point, when you go to World Talker, you're able to talk the language of water, the language of rock, the language of whatever. Mm -hmm. However, to start with, when when you're a talker of basic water element it is cool hot bad good you know okay basic elements it's like as much as i know spanish and bridget thinks that's funny because i say stupid things in spanish from what i've learned in seventh grade spanish class right (laughs) compared to someone who has taken spanish in college or becomes fluent Right. The language, right. Right, but what about shape shifting? Yeah. So shape Like it's one thing to shape shifting is still basically my perspective is basically you're shifting into the form of something you know as a druid. Mhm. Typically we talk about animals. Mhm. If at some point you need to shape shift into something that is not animal form, then we need to talk about that. Okay. And that, that's what I'm asking. Is, so, like, if I were to shapeshift into a tree, for instance, could yeah. I move? It, that's what it, it said. Does say it that said it mobile. Does, yep, it does okay. say that. Okay. 
mobile vaguely humanoid. Let's say I shape shifted into water, like the stream. Yeah. Could I? Are you going to be like Terminator when he melted? Yeah, like puddle of mercury. Exactly. Like, could I travel through the stream as water? She's a beaut of the oak trees (laughs) in the Falshanks forest. One of the walking varieties we haven't seen around these parts in years. Well, it didn't say that you could be water, but it said you could definitely be plants. I mean, it it says inanimate natural objects. Or then. Plants and rocks. Plants and rocks. And now if you treat the word inanimate literally, it means, means not, moving. not animated. So well, that's the tree true. could move. However, it does say, but it well, says no, you it can mentions, be a moving It right. mentions thing talkers' forms can be exact copies or can be mobile, vaguely humanoid shaped entities. So like an end you know, from Lord yeah. of the Rings. So yeah, you that's could be like a the mobile the tree. So here's right. the important part to, to me. shrubbery. If Kelly is going to <laughs> make if Kelly is going to make the story more interesting, do the shit. Yeah. Right? Make it happen. Make it go. Okay. If if you what you are thinking you think is more boring than what's actually happening, let's not do it. Okay. If it's more interesting, shit yeah, let's do it. Alright. Cool. Big rock creature. So what you thinking? I don't know. I was thinking like maybe become like part of the stream. Um, because then I could at least like travel to other parts of the forest as water and maybe like see things from that perspective. So let me tell you what that means to me in game terms. It means you're going to discern realities. Okay. You're going to take your abilities as a druid to talk to and become that which is the stream. Mm-hmm. Because, again, from Joe's perspective, the stream is more than, what, than running water. The stream touches everything. Mm-hmm. The plants eat off of that which is the stream. Mm-hmm. The stream moves rock and stone, eventually wears away everything, right? The water, I guess Chinese water torture is the wrong way to look at it, but the idea eventually wears away at everything. If Trillium is going to communicate, become the stream, then she's going to get more... I don't like that Kurt just came in and grabbed a paper towel and walked back out. Anyway, (laughs) so Kelly, Trillium is going to communicate with and as the water. Okay. And what does that mean? So to me, that is a discern realities. And if you look at your basic move sheet, at discern realities, that's going to give us what it is that we're looking for. We're going to be looking at um, what happened here recently, what's useful or valuable to me, etc. All right. So let's look at that as that move. Can I go ahead and roll? Go for it. All right. Here we go. All right, five plus one. Wait, no, plus two. So seven. seven. Okay. So seven. I get I to ask one. You one. Yeah. Of uh, one of the six questions that is there. Okay. And at this point in time, both Lenore and Trillium are in the same place, trying to figure stuff out. So I'm happy with Bridget and Kelly collaborating on what discern realities question to ask if you have thoughts on what's going on um i i mean i know like i'd like to ask what is about to happen being that we're all kind of feeling this impending you know doom (laughs) but and and i will tell you based based on the way joe handles this i won't just tell you a hobgoblin attack is going to happen because that's just too Stupid and mm-hmm. obvious, because you knew that already. Mm-hmm. If you want to ask that question, there will be more to it. If you decide collaboratively that you have a different question, I'm fine with that as well. The, that's a question, I'm ready for that the one. The one thing that that came up in my mind is who's really in control here, because I was shown a vision of that unnatural hobgoblin. Is he really the one in control, or is there some other force that's controlling this? Yeah. Um, now, are we assuming that these hobgoblins are part of the bigger picture with, like, the th- stealing and, 
you know, everything um, that was going all on. All the thefts and whatnot. I'll give you an insight that doesn't require an extra roll. Based on what you've learned so far, no. They're not entwined. If there is a link between the hobgoblins that have stolen from Valshand and the hobgoblins that are currently taking over, it is a much larger link. There's no direct link. It's not like King Grupnok isn't also trying to figure out what the hell's going on with the blacksmith shop in Herak. He has okay. no link to that whatsoever. Okay. If there's anything larger, if there's any bigger link, it's based on a larger puppet master. And maybe if we find out who's really in control, we'll find that puppet master. So you have one question to ask between Trillium and Lenore, based on your discern realities role, where I will give you something that is factually accurate based on our current world in Perrin DC. You just have to come up with what you want to ask. And it can be a variation of any one of those questions. It does not have to match exact. For example, if you want to know whose footsteps these are, just ask whose footsteps these are. It doesn't have to be one of the built-in questions. If you have something that's close enough, I'll answer. Hmm. I try and be prepared based on the questions that are there. But sometimes, like when we were in the blacksmith shop, you want to know who killed him. There isn't a question of who killed the blacksmith, right? Right. We try and figure out what's based on the situation we're in. Um, yeah, I like the question of who's really in control here. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, if we could know either what's about to happen or even what happened recently, like that would be helpful, I guess. But... Lenore is there with Trillium. So you're welcome to... Um collaborate on what the question is. What do you think it ought to be? Outside. They do separate discern reality roles? They can, but right now we're treating one that happened. Outside, we have um, Breton and Uriel. Well, we're outside, too. You're outside, but not as outside as they are, I guess, is the way I'm looking at You guys are right at, like, the waterfall stream area. You're you're at her home still, whereas... um, uh, Uriel and Breton have taken 20, 30 yards outside and are feeling the oppression of something dark closing in. Um, dark as in um, the forest is one thing. The darkness is the opposing thing, trying to close in on it. So they're, they're feeling something that you haven't quite felt yet. However, at uh, Trillium's home, there's still the overwhelming feeling of warmth and comfort and this is the way life should be but there's something there there's this niggling feeling of badness closing in and that's what you're currently trying to decide what question do you ask on discern realities based on what is that 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 feeling that tells you damn this shit ain't right dog what is do you want to go with what it's what's about to happen um well, now I'm thinking about who's in control here. Like, who's really yeah. in control? Because yeah. that... Let's do that. Who's really in okay. control? So, from... In, in wondering this, and... Again, I'm going to treat it as Trillium and Lenore collaborating. That there's a situation happening. Lenore has already expressed that she's aware of King Grupnok as some super-imposing hobgoblin figure. Um, and I'll go with what I said. He's 6 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet. Who knows how tall this guy. This hobgoblin is the biggest hobgoblin that um, Zoraika has shown you in a vision with this slash across his face from some kind of great slashing weapon that he was able to endure. And he is the king of hobgoblins because he has this this perseverance, this power, this control, this... This presence that says, no hobgoblin shall oppose me. You get this glimpse, Trillium, you get this glimpse that behind him, there's somebody holding this little cross of strings that lead to the back of King Grupnok. And you can see he's a puppet being guided by something. There's a marionette, a clear marionette. And back there, in your head... 
you feel that these strings link to civilization, not to the wild. There's something in a civilization, possibly Herak, that is controlling King Gruknuk. Something that is making King Gruknuk march forward upon Falshank's forests. That who is really in control here is not the king of the hobgoblins. Now, although he is no less evil because of it, whoever is pulling his strings comes from civilization itself. Okay. So the hobgoblins in this area taking over that which you have come to call home, um, the, the destruction of that which you have come to call home is happening by the hand of the Hobgoblin tribe of Grunknock, controlled by someone within the city. Okay. Wow. So, so it sounds think? like we'll have to, like, battle it out here and then... Go back to the city. Go back to the city, yeah. All right, that was informative. So how do you handle the issues surrounding your home? We need to get rid of... Gruknock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then go figure out. Maybe, yeah. we, maybe we hold person him before we kill him and grill him. Make him but, suffer a little bit? Make him suffer. <laughs> well, we can't make him suffer. Zoraika might like that, though. Well, yeah, but I can't hold him and make him suffer at the same time. Oh, you can? As soon as he has As soon as he takes any kind of damage. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you could hold him long enough for him to be bound, right? True. True. Yeah. And then I could do all kinds of crazy things. Uh oh. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. <laughs> Keep it. Oh, it's around Muriel. my it's around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the ready. Yeah. Around my neck. Nice. <laughs> No comment. Uh, so let's take this as a next step. And anybody tell me if I'm wrong here. What's the preparation in defending Trillium's home? Um, Who's going to do what? Well, her home being the forest. Or, right? Specifically right now, her home being that den behind the waterfall. Well, so I'm this a s- specific because, area. But I was Bre- assuming... Bretton has felt the, the darkness closing in. As has Uriel, although Uriel probably just wants to set fire to the darkness. I'm kind of with Uriel on this. Yeah. I almost want to be like, show yourself and, you know, yeah. maybe path. let Uriel kind of light up. I say we meet him out re- there. Remember, you're yeah. in the forest and Uriel's light is fire. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm thinking that we need to move away from your house to protect it because it's been hidden. It's been undiscovered. It's been untouched. This I get the I vibe that they may not know. Yeah, That's what I mean. Let's it's, go I, towards where they are. Right. Well, if they're coming closer, yeah, we need to like go to where they are. Yeah. Get away from your um, safe spot. Because either they already know about my spot because we're there and they're coming in closer or, yeah, either way, we've got to get... We don't want to draw them to your home. This to is true, you. too. So. so let's go. Yeah. Um, Where? The drums. Yeah. Follow mm-hmm. those drums. Follow those drums. So the the beat of evil that's approaching. Uh, I thought you actually had there was like war drums going on. Yes, but it's from all around. It is an ominous presence of the evil that is surrounding. Would you like Zoraika to draw a map again? <laughs> you know, sure. divine, guide, divine guidance probably wouldn't hurt. Okay. Kind of point us in the right direction. Right. Um, Unless you want to turn into like a bird and do like a little spot check. That's a good point. The you could do that. You haven't been much of a druid in the last couple episodes. That's true. Well, I just turned into a stream, so... Um, Your tongue has just barely stopped itching oh from licking God. the blacksmith's mouth. Oh, <laughs> Again, not my proudest moment. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. Talk the, about there, it. There's, there's <laughs> a little doubt. bit of... I want to say, every time that um, at that uh, Trillium talks, there's that feeling of uh, like a tingling, and I, I like to equate the um, 
you put a nine volt battery on your tongue kind of thing. Yeah. There's that 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 feeling uh. of <laughs> there's a tingling that you know something happened, and in this case, the tingling is um, rainbow cohosh and dead guy. Mm. That's the best ever. And, and it, it's mostly gone, but when you talk, there's that that thickness to your tongue that's kind of itchy that. Although you're saying something like, I'm feeling great today, everyone else is hearing, I'm feeling great today. <laughs> right? I'm sure there's some yeah, sort of toad you can lick to fix that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something out there. Probably got one in the jar. So yeah. A lot of that is going away. However, Trillium knows that it was like, <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, when people aren't looking, you stick your tongue out and like scratch at it with your <laughs> fingers kind of thing. Okay. Um, You're licking trees randomly. Yeah. <laughs> and toads. And rocks. Whatever I can get my tongue on. Anything, Anything that isn't dead blacksmith. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unzips. What? Oh. What? Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, all right. So do you want me to just become like a... I could maybe turn into a hawk. Well, unless either, we could use the like either divine guidance. You can do like that or I can try and get an arrow. Yeah. And what direction we should go. Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm fine with cutting myself Fosky. again. I mean, go for it. Do I need to do any kind of... Is it divine guidance? Yeah. Then let's talk about what that means, because you're petitioning your deity according to the precept of your religion, which will grant you some useful knowledge or boon related to your deity's domain. And then, well, Joe gets to tell you what that means. Okay. You can cut. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go on the left <laughs> this time. I'm feeling a little bit uh, little bit dizzy, but I don't mind it. Talk about it. Describe it so All I right. can tell you what Zoraika has in mind for you. Uh, well, I'm just going to do my usual uh, cut with my, my holy symbol. Okay. Um, across so my the dagger with the yeah, it's my little yeah. my little blessed dagger across my arm and hold it out and the as in previous times the blood will drip and form into a a crude sort of arrow directional. So because you've been asking for um, guidance from a Zoraika a bit without necessarily any specific pay back to Zoraika recently. What happens, everyone else watching, um, so between Uriel and Trillium and Breton, um, uh, Lenore falls with her her left arm, because she cut her left arm, her left arm, her left arm with her index finger pointed outwards, she falls down to the ground with her index, index finger pointed east and then bounces back up like nothing happened <laughs> and stands there and in a voice un, that is not her own says the words move east. And then, and then Lenore says, okay, I think we know. <laughs> Thank you, goddess. And, and the voice you heard is something not unlike, and now Breton didn't witness it, but something not unlike the undead voice of Jolly Gerald, where it was just a... Move east! The whole stuff that you heard, move east! And that was it. Right? And then Lenore pops that? up off the ground and says, okay, I think we know. Right. We good? And, and, Let's go. Gotta and Lenore east. is like no matter which way you move, your body just kind of turns east at the time you move. Oh, okay. So That's you freaky. may take a step to the west, and as soon as you lift your foot up off the ground, you lift your right foot up. Your left foot pivots to the east, and when your right foot goes down, you're headed east. All right. It's the Ministry of Silly Walks. I was just thinking that. <laughs> 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 it's a silly walk. Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we're going east. <laughs> All right. Strongly suggest and, and, that we and move east. And Lenore is probably familiar with this, but based on Zoraika's precepts, every step you take hurts a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, I either have a pounding headache or yeah. something. Like every, 
If you take a step in the wrong direction, it doesn't hurt. But when you take a step towards the east, it hurts. Oh, thank you, Zareka. There you go. So it lets you know you're headed in the right direction. (laughs) Your religion's messed up, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's follow the cultist. (laughs) Not cultist. You're not... You're not fully clean unless you're cult fully clean. If only you could know the joy that Zareka brings me. Oh. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zareka! Hashtag ow. Hashtag um, more, please. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. thank you. So Zareka may have another. <laughs> presuming that everybody decides to head off with um, Lenore yeah. towards the east, uh, you close the. Um, Waterfall curtain that is the entrance to, sure. to yeah. your your uh, to Trillium's home. All right. Um, the only people that know how to get through there are perhaps your closest chipmunk friends and what oh, have yeah. people that come in regularly. Uh, towards the east, uh, to Chris, to your point earlier, the thrumming of war drums just sounds louder. Um, I may have used a reference earlier. If I didn't, I meant to. The sound of a, a nearby town setting off their 4th of uh, July fireworks, yeah. you're getting closer to that. And it feels like um, they're getting closer to the grand finale. There's louder and louder boom, boom, boom sounds. Um, the, the ground actually starts to tremble underneath your feet. And there's definitely something bigger in the direction you're heading. Who would be in the front of this march? Uh, marching might not be the right word, but who would be in the front of the party as you're headed towards a new, a new area? I may not be first, but I'll, I may be walking with. Maybe I want to say Uriel. either Uriel or you know Breton yeah. because of the yeah. ranger skills. Somebody you know. yeah. with me because I'm pointing the direction. I'm like keeping the direction. Around, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think if we were going into combat, Uriel would be first. Yeah. If we're just walking, I would be first scouting. Well, you're definitely headed towards we, something bad. That's the idea here. Well, they're playing would. my song, so I'm cool with being a yeah. I think Uriel would probably be first, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drop back. Since we, we, we got the direction we needed, I'm going to drop back and prepare my magic missile in case we get into... So, Uriel, as you guys are getting closer... There's a little rise, only a few feet, but a little rise. And as you're at the head of the far, the party, you see over the rise first. On the other side of the rise, there are, um, uh, for the lack of better description, there are all kinds of bad things happening. There are baskets hung up on like 10-foot stilts, and you can see fire under the baskets, and you hear the screams of, of something within the basket being burned alive. Ooh, and I can They're, feel it. They probably feel it. You're loving this. Um, well. Amongst this campground, you see the humanoid and, and mutant shapes of hobgoblins of different shapes and varieties, some green-skinned, some gray-skinned. It's like a bunch of different tribes have formed together. And they're individually, they're, they're holding things like... Um, squirrels and rabbits and other natives of the forest, and you can see them just holding them and grabbing little daggers and just jabbing things into them. And it's just the whole scene that you see in front of you is is of of nature being slaughtered by something that is unnatural. In this case, the hobgoblins. And in the back of it, in the back of this area, you see a makeshift straw and wood and stone like throne that is on a movable platform and on this platform is is about a nine foot maybe five foot maybe 20 foot tall it's like it's so ambiguous you can hardly tell there's this hobgoblin definitely a hobgoblin the shape is all hobgoblin but this figure is a slash from the top of the, the one side of its face down to the other. And it, it seems like it's almost still oozing blood and, and ooze a pus along its face. And it's holding a, a big um, scepter of gold and gems and it's just pounding it. And it's in the rhythm to the drums you've heard for almost hours now. It feels like it's 
permeating everything around you. And every time that thing hits, every time that scepter hits and that thrum hits, a hobgoblin somewhere grabs something sharp and pokes it into something natural. And you hear the squeals of something natural, like being defeated by that which is um, Grooknock pushing everything forward. And, and there's, this, there's this feeling of darkness and, and, and stickiness and oiliness and oppression that's hovering over the area. When you peeked over the edge, the first thing you thought may have been, wow, fire cool. And then you think, wow, that shit sucks. And that's what you have to report back to your group. How far ahead am I? You are, I mean, looking down over the ledge, down into the clearing where this this mess of of badness is happening, you're a few hundred feet. I'm thinking of, let's say you're at one end of a college football stadium, and you can see everything happening down on the the actual grass, the the stadium itself, and if you look back behind you, and maybe the vending area is your party, (laughs) right? But in front of you is this big, it's it's a big area, bad mojo happening. There you go. I turn around and look at Trillium, and maybe you can't, you might not be able to hear me from that far. And I just maybe see, you know, what I'm saying with my mouth. I say, anger is a gift. And that's where we'll stop this episode with anger being a gift. Right. Uh, (laughs) So we'll get ready for our next one. In the meantime, we can all say. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.